All right, everybody, welcome back once again to the One More Podcast with, you know, our friend Carl Johnson down there in Biloxi at the Polar Bosch. He's kind of the race and sports book director. We've got Bill Berman, man of multi-talents that nobody actually knows what they are or what he does up there in New Jersey. <laughs> and, of course, Stevie Shrimp. He's your hookup on the shrimp and your hookup on what you need to know with the horses and college football and everything else. Me, I'm just Ryan Hyatt. Think of me as Julie, the cruise director. We're going to be playing uh, down uh, a little uh, – I don't know, bocce ball on the Lido deck or something tonight. <laughs> we are brought to you by our wonderful sponsor tonight. That's right, Mervin's. Mervin's bringing you the one more podcast because you want to look good in your parachute pants and, of course, your high karate cologne when you go out. Find it at your local mall, Mervin's, a proud sponsor of the one more podcast. Uh, we'll start it off. If you guys are watching on the video tonight, you may know that we have a special guest, Bill Berman. We're going to let the band at his own self introduce him because – I mean, if one week you have a Lombardi, I guess the whole family's got to get on the gravy train, well, right? I mean, that, Ryan, thank you very much. I love Mervins, by the way. They have always <laughs> have my size. They always have my size. <laughs> um, the um, what basically the the euphoria created last week by Maddie Lombardi joining this podcast not only created hysteria in the streets and and people lining <laughs> up and trying to steal any kind of audio device they could to listen to this podcast. But it created intra-family competition, which is what I always love. Oh, and yeah. so when when the godfather of this podcast, right, that we are essentially the Jeffersons uh, relative to the all in, all in the family, right? This is, this is, we're <laughs> an offshoot, Archie Monk, right? Okay, right, right. Well, you're not Archie Monk. But, but the man himself, the creative mind behind all of these spin-offs, the Norman Lear I wish, of podcasts. I wish, I wish. That's right. Absolutely. Michael Lombardi is here. I wish. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. It's nice to be here. You know, Matty had a good time. Uh, he seemed to enjoy it. And Bill asked me if I would do it since he's taken over my office. I mean, why not? You know, I fed him dinner. Millie fed him dinner. So I fed him downstairs. Why don't you come downstairs and join the podcast? So. so I come down and we'll do it from my home office here. So it's not too bad. It's all good. It's good to meet everybody. Steve, I've never met you. I've never been shrimping, but, you know, there's always a first for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you, finally. Heard a lot about you. Well, that's good. I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Where Where's that view in the background? Is that like St. John's? Uh, Virgin Islands, uh, the capital. Uh, I went I went down a cruise about three years ago. Yeah. Nice. Was nice. a shrimp on Charlotte Amelie? Charlotte Amelie, that's it. Yeah. I can't ever remember. Did you go to Duffy's Love Shack when you were there? No, that's a legit I didn't. place. I'm not making up a place. <laughs> no, it's not I didn't. something that Robert Kraft would go to. Brian, send me the logistics on that. Hey, go to that. Love Shack. that sounds like a perfect spot for me. <laughs> hey, what are we drinking over there, by the way? Uh, this is a an old-fashioned uh, made by bartender Matty Lombardi. He always makes me one when I come over here. Um, he filled them up before he came down. So really, this yeah. house is just here to serve me. Uh, that, that's really what exactly it is. I got dinner. I got, a, I got a special guest on the podcast. I got a drink. I got my friends here. He's built an outdoor garage. I'm about ready to go tell those kids to be quiet here in about two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Get them to settle down a little yeah. bit, you know. Yeah, we were just playing charades upstairs, and then we came down to do the podcast. Well, hey, hey Mike, we uh, we tried to get Maddie. We we were interested last week. You know, we, uh, we remember you told a story of how you met met Bill. You was walking with one of your sons. And uh, yeah. you, you come across this guy in an alley and swinging a golf club and stuff like that. So we were interested. We asked Matty last week if he was the one 
but uh, do, you, do you remember, uh, you know, what was your thought when you walked up on this dude right here? <laughs> like, well, you know, go, so I, when we lived in another part of the island, we uh, we uh, had a house that, you know, the, this is a little bit of a postage stamp town, right? The houses are close together because of the summers. And we had a yard in our other house. And so when they were little, the boys, my two sons, and then I had a bunch of neighbors. I had this one family lived next door to me that had five children and they had kids too. So they all, they invented this game called golf tennis. And so it was a golf game that, that they used a tennis ball. They had one hole and they would hit the ball and they made all different courses all around it, different, different tee boxes, right? And some were across the street, some were everywhere. So that was their thing, golf tennis. And so when we came walking off the beach one day, Bill and his friend Scott, who I didn't know at the time, they were playing. And as we're walking down the street, I'm like, I said to Maddie or Mickey, I said, are they playing golf tennis over there? Because they were playing some outdoor golf game. <laughs> and so that's how we met, you know, and that's kind of how then they, and they were like, you got to be friends with that guy, that guy, you know, and then it just serendipitously, he ended up moving down here year round, mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I didn't know anybody was going to be down here year round. Well, I, I'm, and then I moved into your house, basically. I've got an office yeah, here. I've, then, got, I've got an outdoor kitchen. That's I've right. Got... Then he made sure we built an outdoor kitchen for his convenience. We made sure we remodeled the third floor for his convenience in case Anissa throws him out. So he's got a bunk bed to go to. Yeah, if so if you guys need out. anything at all, I'll ask him to build it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, so so look, I mean, one of the things that, that you know, I've, I've always found interesting is that, uh you know, my, my mother told me a long time ago, she said, you know what, Carl? She said, when you get to be an older man, you'll start cooking. And she says, all Italian men, when they get older, they start cooking. And, you know, I never thought about that, you know, but the older, you know, and I, look, I'm not a good cook. I, I, I cook for me and, you know, Lisa or the kids, you know, every now and then. But, you know, I, you read, a, you told me the story. You, you read about cooking. You're, you're trying to learn. I watch these Italian cooking shows all the time. So, you know, it's funny because I'm not a handy person. So I don't really have any hobbies like, you know, bricklaying or, or carpentry. So my uncle, who lives literally right around the corner here, he moved. He's 95 now. He moved off. He moved into a home. But when we were growing up, he built an, a kitchen in his garage outside of his wife's kitchen so he could go out there and do what he wanted to do. Yeah. And I always, since I was married and since I've been married a million, I was like, I want a kitchen out. I want a kitchen in the garage. You know, I wanted to duplicate that kitchen. And so when when we bought this house, the, the yard was set up perfectly for an outdoor kitchen. So that's what I did. And and it works <laughs> out perfectly. Now, well, it, it, what you needed was vision. I needed the vision of how you to needed. put it all. Yeah, yeah, and so that's where I come in. I, that's where he came in, of course. <laughs> and I need to clean it. You know, I do all the cleaning of yeah, it. But I appreciate that. It, it, it's really, you know, you know, one thing about growing up Italian, you never cook in the real kitchen, right? There's a kitchen. Like when I would go see my godfather, he had a house, Ocean City, we don't have any basements, right? So because we're on an island, so you can't dig down. So he was a masonry. He, he, was, a, he was a concrete guy. So he built a house that basically was built from the ground and the ground floor was he had a kitchen. He had like a living, it looked like Satriel's back room in there. But Lily would have looked like his name was Lucio. And you would go in there and he would be sitting at that table 
it, it downstairs. I, I, as long as I was alive, I never went upstairs to his house. Damn. He did everything in that downstairs basement. And so and upstairs, you know, all the, the chairs were covered with, you know, the, what's that, uh, the, the, the slip covers, but the, the plastic covers on oh, the yeah. couch. Yeah. So nobody would mess up the couch. Like if my father walked in this house right now and he saw those five kids run around, he would go absolutely insane. It would be over. <laughs> so it's just part of the culture. But can I say one thing before before uh, before Ryan uh, starts to steer us around? The fact that you referred to bricklaying as a hobby, we've got a big bricklaying demographic on the show. Well, I mean, we're working man show. So the fact that you just referred to bricklaying as well, a hobby. Well, I think some people like it as a hobby. Like Churchill yeah. liked it as a hobby. Well, there's a bunch of guys out there doing Churchill that for a living that are really pissed off at you right now. And I, we can't afford to lose any listeners. I respect the hell out of them. I, I would love to learn how to be a bricklayer. I really would. Build me a brick outdoor fireplace. That'd be awesome. That's the next thing we need to build. But anyway... Uh, you know, it's a hobby. Churchill did it every time he went to Chartwell. Between all the times he was in and out of office, he would start brick building walls. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Ryan. Would Ryan's going to take us through our show topics for today? I'm just laughing that Berman thinks I actually steer this ship and that it actually has a rudder. <laughs> are you kidding? We have dropped the mainsail. We are meandering around the bay right now. Um, <laughs> We're going to get back to cooking in garages here in a little bit. We're going to start off tonight. We looked at the uh, AFC East uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week. I lose track of time. Wanted to look at the NFC East this week. We got the win totals for them. Uh, I think this is uh, Bet MGM. Imagine that. Uh, New York Giants, seven and a half. You got eight and a half for the Commanders. Uh, Philadelphia, nine and a half. Dallas at ten and a half. The, the way I want to throw this out for you guys to discuss this conference or this division we, we look at the AFC West and we talk about the quarterbacks and all the quarterbacks there. I look at this division and say it's a quarterback-driven division as well because nobody is going to succeed, I think, in this division if their quarterback cannot elevate or, in Dallas's case, stay healthy. What do you guys think about the league, the division? Well, I mean, I, I, we, we gotta, go we ahead, Carl. The, you know, I'm, we got to let the godfather and Berman handle this first. Your first yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think it's, it, you know, look, I, I think let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Daniel Jones is no lock to be the starter all year. Guys, you know, fumbled 39 games in his starts in his career, lost 20 of them, hasn't thrown the ball for over seven yards per attempt in any part of the season. You know, he can't play fast. He can't make decisions quickly. He's a great kid. All the intangibles you love, but durability and playability are concerned. I mean, they signed Tyrod Taylor. I don't think that Brian Dayball is going to have a very long leash on Daniel Jones. The fact that they didn't pick up his fifth-year option tells you that the Giants no longer are a family-run operation. That that they're letting the team, they're letting the general manager Joe Shine and and Dayball make that call. And then you know Washington, the left-hander Carson Wentz, who likes to throw it that way. I don't know how you think he can play very well. And then in Philly, Hurts doesn't throw the ball. He's a running back. I know Philly fans are going to get mad at you when you say that, but the fact is that, you know, we have amnesia in this area. They were down 33 to nothing in the playoff game against Tampa Bay. It never and happened. They never, and like it never happened. So, I mean, the, the, the paper team that should do it is Prescott with the, he's the best quarterback by far in the division. The, the, the best part of this whole thing, what you have to understand in this area, and it, it does feed into the psychology with betting I said this to, to Michael a couple of weeks ago. I forget uh, who you were on. It might have been Dave Ross was talking about this. But the, but Eagles fans, they're, 
people mistake positivity for bipolar. They are completely bipolar. <laughs> it is, we're winning the Super Bowl. And, and people think that I exaggerate because I don't like the Eagle. I don't. They, they will, they're going to win the Super Bowl or you should burn the entire franchise down, possibly sell it. The owner should be chased and killed in South, in South Philly. I mean, it's one or the other. It's not both. But, but what's interesting about what's happening in the Eagles locally here is now there's some like news stories coming out in the last week or so that maybe Hurts isn't exactly looking like the guy who can lead them to quote unquote the promised land and the Super Bowl this year. Like that's bad shit. Yeah, shocking, right? So and Michael's been saying, you know, they're running the Oklahoma offense. Just run, you know, just say it. So um, I, I actually, uh, on paper, the Cowboys actually should should win this thing, should clear their over. Um, but the, maybe the most interesting betting team, just given what they've acquired, is the Eagles in terms of going over on that number. So, I mean. You know, the one thing I would say, two things. I work for a man uh, in Art Modell that was very much like Eagle fans. You know, we used to kid around when Art Modell was the owner, you know, and we're lining up for a win it for a field goal and the score is 17-16. If we kick the field goal, we win, right? Modell would, would, would proclaim, if we make this field goal, everybody gets 10-year contracts. If we miss it, everybody's fired. You know, it's like that's kind of the, that's the way it goes, right? I think the Eagles are a really hard team to play in the regular season because – they're a little bit like, and Ryan, you can appreciate this, they're a little bit like when, when Mike Leach first went to Tech and you were running that offense and not pe- nobody saw that offense on a regular basis. Right. It was hard to really get ready for it. The Eagles' run game is hard to prepare for. Now, with an offseason, you should be better, but I think they were able to do some things last year that make it challenging. I, I think they're a lot like the Utah Jazz. I think they can win regular season games. I think when they get into the conference, think about this, last year, Cincinnati was one of the best run defenses in all of football last year. I think they, you know, they were fifth in the league in yards per attempt allowed. When they got into the playoffs, three of the first, the first three teams they played rushed for over 100 yards because they modified their defense. They allowed you to run it in the playoffs and they played pass and they wanted to really help their secondary out because they felt like, look, no matter how much you run it, you're not going to score a lot of points. When you run the ball, you kick field goals. When you throw the ball, you score touchdowns. And so that's the Eagles' problem. They can run it in the regular season. It doesn't mean it means nothing in the postseason. Let me ask you this: uh, So the the Super Bowl number thirty to one uh, plus three thousand. That to me that seems way sharp. Uh, and then uh, to win the NFC East, they're plus one ninety. That you know that that seems sharp also. I, how do you guys feel about that? Well, it, it should tell you that the Super Bowl winner's not coming from that division, first and foremost. I mean, that that's that's what it should tell you. It's probably, a you know, it's an average division at best. Um, you know, the reason I think I like Philly a little bit, I lo- was looking at the schedules, and Dallas has Tampa and the Rams, and I think Philly's got Arizona and another, like, so that's two – two weaker opponents, much weaker opponents. That So strength of schedule definitely favors Philly to win a division. And, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Prescott. I mean, he's probably the best quarterback in the division, but you just don't know what you're going to get week to week. Very inconsistent. So, I mean, I look, let's face it, Dallas is the most talented team in the division, but we all know talent don't always win, mean that the, the best team is going to win. So, I mean, I think Philly's probably – Forget about the Giants. I don't think they got they have a chance. I'm not a fan of Daniel Jones. Um, 
Washington, you, you know, Rivera's a good coach. I mean, they got some mediocre talent. I mean, they overachieved two years ago. They have an outside shot at it, but I, I think Philly's definitely the team. If I had, to, if you put a gun to my head with the with the price, I think I'd have to take Philly. You, you know, Rivera's been a head coach for eleven years. He's had three winning seasons in eleven years. One of them was fifteen and one. Another one was eleven and five. Which nobody would believe, by the way. You know, you give them that stat, nobody would believe that. He's had three winning seasons in eleven years, and the year he went to the playoffs with Washington, it was a seven and nineteen. You know, so you could easily say, Steve, that he's due to have one of those years that he bounces back because he's been coaching a long time as a head coach. But I don't know how I could – I don't know how you could sit there and say Frank Wright couldn't fix him, the Eagles couldn't fix him, but yet Scott Turner and the Washington Redskins are going to fix Carson Wentz. Like, that one's a hard one for me to get over. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I definitely agree. If Frank Wright couldn't fix him, he's I think he's damaged goods. I agree with that. Carl, well, we still look at Washington, and we Sorry, hear people Ryan. every year talk about how great Washington's defense is. And you, you've got to respect the Washington defense, and, and yet it, it doesn't prove out as the year goes on. Why, why, why do we get that trope every year, Michael? Well, because they got really good talent, but Rebecca, but 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 Del Rio's a very simplistic defensive coach. That's why he got fired in Denver. You know, remember when they made that change in Denver, the year they, they ended up, they make the change in Denver and then they end up, they, they end up going to the Super Bowl when they get, when they replace Wade, they bring Wade back and replace, you know, Del Rio. And the next thing you know, they're going to the Super Bowl. So he's not complicated. And so people, it's like being a baseball pitcher. If you just throw fastballs, you're eventually going to get hit. You just can't play one coverage in the NFL. You can't play you know, two or three things and doing well. You got to mix them up. You got to be one third zone, one third man, one third zone dog. You got to mix it up and spin it a little bit because if the quarterback knows what you're in when, it, when he sets up, you're dead. Yeah. I like this. We got a new, we got a new saying now here on the one more podcast with this one regarding Jack Del Rio. He is a one time through the order defensive coordinator yeah <laughs> probably right you know i mean look how bad they were they were 32nd in the league on third down defense third down defense is really where you're creative as a coach you know you take away the best receiver you know last year cooper cup had 81 third downs converted i mean you got to take him away you, you know he's getting the ball so at some point you just can't say it's all about the players you got to put the scheme into it but steve you know i think stevie said if if people believe the super bowl winner is coming out of this division I I don't know what what they're thinking about this division. Like I, nope. the Super Bowl winner, the Super Bowl participant, let alone winner, is not coming out of this division unless something crazy happens in the rest of the league, injury wise, and it's widespread. The Cowboys are talented, but they're listen. They're they, they're built to fail. Uh, it, it, ultimately, there's a lot of talent on that team. There's not a lot of direction. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. Your guy, uh, the next head coach in this league, Kellen Moore. Yes. Um, it, you know, he's 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 playing Madden uh, 2022. And that's great for him. Um, but it's it's not conducive to winning key games and playoff games. He's they're not going anywhere with him in that spot. And I listen, there's no nothing more joyful than high expectations in Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, for me personally, I love high expectations in Philadelphia. It can only disappoint. It's done that every time except once. You know, you know, uh, uh, for me, uh, 
the thing with Dallas is, I mean, just, I, I mean, you know, ten and a half wins. Uh, come on, I mean, I don't see them getting to eleven. I, I just think that they're going to struggle with injuries. I mean, uh, you know, Dak and and you know, in the backfield, I just, uh, I, you know, the Zeke Ezekiel hadn't been able to stay healthy and. You know, Dak is, you know, I mean, the dude's got his leg put back together. I mean, you know, he, one hit and it's over with. And who's going who's gonna to come in and take 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 over if that happens? Hooper Rush. Hooper Rush is the backup. Not, but, not a real. <laughs> well, we talked about this last year. Uh, well, you and I talked about it. And you talked about it on your actual show. I just screamed in your ear about it. But, but what's interesting about Zeke is people think, well, he hasn't been healthy. I don't think that's it. I think... He's peaked. And so when you see, uh, personally, when you see running backs coming to camp and they're trying to drop, but a, a power back is trying to drop weight. They're trying to pick up speed that they no longer have. And I think, look, Zeke's success in this league, he was a power back. He was at his peak, brutal running back, awesome player. But what he's trying to come back with now is he's trying to offset his deficiency in his other area with speed, and he doesn't have it. I think he's a shot fighter. Hey, Mike, let me ask you this question: Do, do you think at a certain point in time, some of those players? Let's let's just take Ezekiel on on this. Do you think that Ezekiel may be at the point in his career where he he realizes he's not going to win, and then he's just basically playing for the money? Do, do players? To get to that point you know I, I i asked somebody who was in dallas about him and uh, he's one of the first guys in the building he he's watches tape every morning with dak he's one of the best leaders they have on the team the players love him i think what bill said is probably more true than anything is i think he's lost his lower body you see it more in, in basketball when guys don't explode than you do in run like i'm not sure saquon barkley has his lower body back I think Zeke's now an in-between tackle. It's like when when I was in Cleveland and we traded Trent Richardson, the strength coach, Brad Roll, came up to me in the summer and before we started camp, and he just couldn't wait to tell me what kind of great shape Trent Richardson was in, right? <laughs> and then when I went out and watched Trent Richardson, I was like, he couldn't get to the edge of the defense. Like, if you can't get to the edge of the defense and the defense knows you're running between the tackles, it's hard. Here's the other thing, by the way. This is what I love in sports generally, right? Because our favorite center, Joel. When you hear guys can continually talk about, oh, that guy's in great shape. He's in great shape this year. There's a reason that they're talking about this player having to be in great shape, right? It's funny. We go back to a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, Bump Phillips and what he used to say about Earl Campbell. Yeah. And people would say, well, you know, he is his. Uh, what, what was that line, Ryan? It was the old, uh, you know. It was when he couldn't, he, he couldn't run the mile that they had to run. <laughs> So I said, well, okay, that's all right. Next time it's third down in a mile, we just won't give the ball. Nobody ever talked about Earl Campbell needing to be in shape, right? You just gave him the ball and he ran over people. You didn't used to talk about Zeke being in shape. You just gave him the ball and he ran over. Now all of a sudden we're talking about Zeke being in great shape. Yes. Do you remember, Ryan, do you remember the game where Earl knocked over Bevo? So there was a game as a senior he was playing. I, I want to say he was playing in Oklahoma, and and he took it to the end zone, and Bevo was in the back corner. You can see it on YouTube if you want to watch. I wrote about it in my new book. 
and, and literally Bevo the Bevo the steer is over there and Earl comes storming in and Bevo takes it down for the count he runs over his big ass you know you know I mean one of the great pleasures about writing the book was watching Earl Campbell in high school yes there's Earl Campbell high school tape on YouTube which is sensational to watch I mean it, it looks just like he looks like when he was playing but you know, I mean, I think that's what's happened to Zeke a little bit. I think he's lost his juice. I really do. If you're talking about a player being in better shape, there's probably something wrong with that. Yeah, player. I mean, you never heard anybody say Michael Jordan's in really good shape. Oh, he's in great year. shape this year. Did you ever hear that? No. Yeah. Right. Magic Johnson. Well, it's easy to forget. better shape this year. When Elliott comes into the Cowboys, it's one of the better offensive lines that is out there. And they had a, and that offensive line doesn't exist now. It's more myth than it is fact. Well, Particularly last year, you add yeah, on a perception. pair on Elliott, you add in an offensive line that is not there, a play-action passing game, I thought, that was well-structured early on in his career. All of those things conspire, plus the age. And, and people just, and particularly in my neck of the woods, you know, hope springs eternal for the Cowboys. They don't want to admit the reality of where it is. You know, it's funny, though. Like, they made a good move in getting rid of Amari Cooper because Amari – for all the things that his talent level would indicate, he hates cold weather. And they, they traded him to Cleveland. Like, you know, if you're going to pick, you're going to pick Amari Cooper in your fantasy draft. I warn you not to do it because he hates cold weather. Uh, and, and then, you know, just maybe to put a, a finer point on all the, the other, the other thing that just came out recently about the Eagles, who's the kid that just came out and said that basically an all-star team, an all-star Miles, team. Sanders. Miles Sanders came out. Said that. Now the Miles Sanders was, God love him. I had him on my fantasy team. That's usually not a good thing for a player. Uh, he was having trouble getting snaps last year, but he came out and said, well, we gotta, we've got a, uh, an all-star team this year, basically. And the last time they said that, that was our boy, Vince Young. Um, you won't see him no more. Uh, the, oh, the only player I've ever seen have his name tattooed on his back <laughs> like it was the jersey. <laughs> Can you imagine that, Carl? He had V Young tattooed on his back as if it was from his, like it, like it, the ink from his jersey stained his back. I, I never seen anything like it. You really, you just insulted the entire staff of the, you one more podcast because we actually agreed to do that before we started this thing, but I understand your point. All right, let's, let's slip away from the NFC East as compelling and as rich and fun as it is. And we all can't wait to watch every single game this year out of that. Division. Let's drop down at the college ranks because Stevie has been waiting to talk about this all day. He has a full dossier ready to go. We're going to talk about some sleeper teams. Those teams that are, I mean, we're not talking like dogs going to five wins. We're talking about good teams that could elevate potentially to great teams this year. And I know let's go out there to the wilds of Florida, shall we, Stevie? All right. The first team I want to talk about is uh, UCF. I think I think they're going to be this year Cincinnati. Uh, Gus Malzahn's brought in a lot of guys in through that portal. And, you know, I like the way they finished up last year. They beat Florida in the bowl game. I think, uh, you know, they have a lot of returning starters back. I think they got nine on offense. Eight on what the defense. heck happened to Steve? Where he is. You? Can you hear me? Okay. I was cut off. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear anything. So anyway, what I was saying is I think UCF is, is a sleeper team. I think that's going to possibly be this year's Cincinnati. I think they're the best team in that conference. Um, 
I think Cincinnati might take a little step back. They lost a lot of players on defense. Um, Gus Malzahn brought in a lot of guys through the portal. I think, uh, you know, they finished up the year strong last year. They got nine guys back from offense. I think uh, eight back Where from the defense. Where are going? What are you doing? <laughs> Can you hear me? Well, you hear when you talk out. Yeah, you're leaning out of the goddamn picture. What are you doing over there? Oh, I was looking at I was looking at this this book this magazine I got. But anyway, to, to, can you can you hear? Don't can you hear? Please feel still out of this. <laughs> Crazy. That's so that's my Bible. But anyway, no, I mean I think I think UCF's definitely a sleeper team. I think they got a shot to make the playoff. Uh, I think A and M is going to be a sleeper team in the SEC. I think they got a shot to to win the SEC. West this year, uh, I, I think uh, Jimbo's had what the last five years he's had a top ten recruiting class. I think he's going to put it all together. And then what uh, what Saban said, sure, a little fire under him, you know, basically that they buy all their players and everything. Like Alabama's done everything on the square for the last years. But anyway, I think uh, I think A and M is going to definitely. Stevie, I don't think Nick was saying that. I think what Nick was saying was he was sending telling his boosters either you step up like AM stepped up or we're gonna be looking at AM. I think that was more of a of a meeting, you know, between him and his boosters. Uh, you know, for me, and I want to ask you this question with all sincerity, is how good do you really think Jimbo is? Because you just said he's had five great recruiting classes and he and he can't win a big game ever. Now I know he won at Florida State with Jameis. He had that team there. But, yeah. like, I'm waiting for this guy. Like, when I go to watch his practices, I, I, I don't get the sense that, oh, my God, this guy's got it buttoned up. I, I, I get the sense of a lot of a lot of gray. Really? Well, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I know he did win the national championship at Florida State. I mean, he did have those tough Clemson teams in there the last few years he was there. I mean, that was, you know, it wasn't like he was playing against a bunch of lambs. I know Clemson beat him over the last four years he was there. I think that's one reason why he left. Uh, probably because he figured he couldn't couldn't get over that hump. Uh, but well, I mean, he had Florida, Florida State for all the right reasons. I mean, you can't. Yeah. It's hard to recruit there. They have no money. I mean, they're 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 one. I mean, the Bobby Bowden. They should keep building statues for Bobby. What he was able to do at Florida State. And now that you're in this facility war, if you've ever been to Tallahassee, they their facilities are so far behind most teams in that conference because they just don't have the money or the capital to raise. That's why they've been through so many coaches. They they really need an infusion. It's been challenging, and I, I think he made the right move to go to AM. I just don't know how good he is. I also think it's interesting with this whole saving uh, Jimbo thing. Um, I'm just a human behavioral guy, right? Um, I think you know, thou doth protest too much, right? I think the way Jimbo reacted to that tells you a lot about whatever the hell he's doing, right? Like when you react that way and that emotionally on camera and he's fully aware of where he is, what he's saying, who he's saying it about, they were friends, blah, blah, blah. Just watch the way the guy reacts. And that'll tell you a lot about what may actually be true and not true. You know, I, you know what? I, I still I still think they're friends. I, I mean, you know, it wouldn't shock me, right? You yeah, know better than that. I mean, yeah, I, of course Michael will know, but I mean I'm I'm just looking at it from the public perspective. Uh I don't know either one of them, but to me, both of those guys, especially Saban, they they have 
It's just that that killer instinct. I mean, you know, you beat me, I'm I'm coming after your ass. I mean, you you're gonna have to bury me. I'm I'm keep coming. They 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 both have that, and I, that's what I like about both of them. I agree. You know, uh, he's had all these recruiting classes at Texas A&M. He ain't been able to do nothing with them. But it's gonna be fun to watch them this year, just because of all the shit that they you know this fight that they just got through with. I can't wait. Well, this record at A&M is exactly the same as Kevin Sumlin after three years. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, in all fairness, I mean, I'm not making an excuse for the guy, but last year he did have injury at quarterback. I mean, that kind of derailed the season. I mean, that kid, I think Calzada was his name, came in and beat yeah. Bama. But, I mean, his, his starting quarterback did not finish the year. I, I think he yeah. got hurt, what, the first or second game of the season. I mean, that's, that's always tough to overcome. Yeah, but I you're mean, at A&M. You're, you're not – you're at A&M. You should always have somebody to be able to play. I mean, this isn't like pro football where, you you know, you got one guy. I mean, one thing about college football is you always have – you're always – if you're at A&M, you're recruiting a five-star. I mean, think about it. You know, when the, the kid that came in that, that threw the pass against Syracuse and Clemson, I mean, he was a five-star when Trevor Lawrence got hurt. You know, and he ended up beating Syracuse that day. They had Syracuse had him beat. He threw that seven route over by the bench. You know, not that he was a pro quarterback, but I'm not making excuses. You know, yeah, you lose your starter. It's always hard. But to me, your record's the same as Kevin Sumlin after three years. If I was a booster and I was giving all that money. I, I'd want a few answers, you know. Well, they also, Ryan, what do you think? Of, because, I mean, they made it a full-time job beating the shit out of Kevin Sumlin. Like, they, they, the people were dedicated to the process of trying to beat the shit out of Kevin Sumlin all day long. It was a hobby for some. It was a profession for others. <laughs> and, and and that was that was the lay of the landscape. I, I think for that entire process. I want to I want to go to Carl. Carl, you got you got a sleeper? Yeah, I mean I do. Um, you know I kind of like Oklahoma a little bit. Um, you know, and, and, interesting. Yeah, um, you know I knew you would like that, but um, you know I. Getting back to Texas A&M for just a second, I will say that uh, one of the bets that I like out of all the futures, I do like over eight and a half on their win total. You know, I don't think they'll get there win the national championship, but I, I think they get to nine wins. Uh, now, getting back to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, nine and a half wins uh, is their season total. Uh, you can get them at uh, 50 to one right now. Um, you know, I – uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I just have a feeling about that team. Sometimes change is good. And, uh, you know, they'll have a chance, if they can get hot, they'll have a chance to be in the conversation at the end of the year. Bill, you got any sleepers? Yeah, I'm going I'm going Utah Utes. I like All right, that. Utah Utes. I Long like shot. The best coach in the conference, and that includes uh, the guy who's at USC now, in my opinion. Well, Whittingham, I think, is a hell of a coach. Listen, winning the national, and they're not going to win the national championship. Okay. But, but, but we're talking sleepers here. Yeah. What I love, part of that is marketing and shiny objects. And what is the shiny object you want when you're trying to get people's attention? You're playing really well, but people dismiss your competition, all those other things. Uh, Offense. They've got a great offense. Now they're going to replace people on the defensive side of the ball. I get it. But if they're week in and week out putting up, you know, pinball type numbers and showing a lot of offense, that's the kind of stuff that all year long gets people's attention and gets them 
Uh, why is it Utah in the conversation? Blah, blah, blah. So I think Utah is an interesting team. Um, I think I think the offense in particular is going to be the shiny object that's going to attract people. So. But their their defense last year was phenomenal. I mean, but yeah, you know, and I can't remember I can't remember the teams, but it seems to me I remember about that team that they just they they got beat by teams that they should not have gotten beat by, and then they beat yeah. the teams that you know they they just dominated them. Uh, well, they and they started off giving Ohio State all they could handle. Yeah, uh, in, in that game, so. Uh, I think that's an interesting team. I, I mean, Utah. So you talk about a team that never has had a top 15, top twenty recruiting class. Utah Whittingham does a great job of kind of getting guys in his program. He knows what he has. The offensive coordinator does a really good job. He's been there a long time. They know what they who they are. They're tough. They're tough as hell. Uh, they're hard to play in Salt Lake City too because of the altitude. You got to go up there. It's a great crowd. Great venue. I mean, they're they're a good team. If they get in the pack, if they get in the Big Twelve, if they, if Arizona State and Arizona is, that'll make it. It'll make it really interesting. That that's one thing I do want to mention. That's that's why I like Ohio State so much this year. I, that that is my pick to win a national championship because I bet Utah in that game uh, against Ohio State. I, I don't know how many people sat out for Ohio State. I want to say it was like they had nine or ten people opt out of the bowl game. And in the second half is like Ohio State was just going up and down the field like on that. And I mean, I know they got a, a pretty solid defense and I'm watching these young receivers catch the ball all over the field. I'm like, this team is loaded. That This was going to be my pick for next year to win a national championship. So I really liked what I saw with the young group of receivers at Ohio State. I think they're going to be a tough team to handle this year offensively. I mean, Marvin Harrison's son was there. You know, they did. They played. I mean, Utah played them as good as you can play them for three and a half quarters and they just ran out of gas. But you're right, though. I mean, that's my point about college. You got so many good players in college that the freshman comes in off the bench who's a five star. You might be better than a guy playing. You know, I, the team I like, I like Florida. I think Billy Napier is a really good coach. And I think Anthony Richardson could be the Heisman Trophy winner. I think he's a really, I mean, he's uniquely talented. He's Lamar Jackson talented as a quarterback. And I think Florida, you know, they, one thing about Florida is, the coverage never bear at the University of Florida. When you walk in there, they got good players, whether you got fired or didn't. It isn't like they're down. And they'll bounce back. And Napier will coach the hell out of that team. So, for me, it's it's about the coach and the quarterback in college football. I, I like them. Are you, saying they weren't, are you saying you don't think they were coached to the maximum ability before? I think, Dan, you know, I mean, you saw that Showtime show with my man Dan Mullen. I mean, you know, uh, and then he's playing the kid – I never understood why I played the other kid, you know, and it, I watched, I watched 10 plays of Richardson. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's the best player I've seen. I, I am just not, you know, that I, 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 that, that documentary or that Showtime show, whatever it was, changed me. Uh, I mean, I, I just, that guy flashed in front of my eyes and I went empty, empty suit. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, that guy. Well, guys get reputations, you know, they get this guru reputation in college. Just let's put it things that college football coaching to pro football is really like Harvard to a state school. Like it's way different. Like it's really way different. Now, you know what they do at Alabama is a lot of pro stuff. So give them that because he's a he's a great coach. I'm not I'm not going to do a lot more of that this year if I get it. Yeah. Once you get Bob down there, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get your big hat, I got I got to call the that's another thing on my list. I got to call the equipment manager at Alabama, get a gift bag. But anyway, so, (laughs) uh, you you know, uh, I just think to me, 
Napier's got really unique skills as a coach. I mean, look what he did at Tech. I mean, at at uh, Louisiana, okay. at University of Louisiana. I mean, he's really good. And I thought that quarterback, that left-handed kid, I thought he wasn't very good. If he had a better quarterback, he might have really moved up the ladder. True left-hander, right? Not Carson Wentz left. Not not the not the yeah. fake left. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll throw out one sleeper out of the Big 12, a little up the road from Norman. Let's go to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Mike Gundy, who's in his uh, 45th year, I think, there at, uh, at Oklahoma State. They may have one of the better quarterbacks not a lot of people are talking about in Spencer Sanders. All this guy did last year, throw for about 3,000, run for ne nearly 700 yards. They've got some weapons coming back. they got a little replacement on defense. They bring in Derek Mason from Auburn, who wanted to get away from that crap show down there on the plains of Alabama. This is an Oklahoma State team that all they've done the last 10 years is just win games. Yeah. And I won't be surprised if it's another year where they – I mean, they were inches away from beating Baylor and being in the mix potentially for the playoff. I just think Oklahoma State this year for me might be that team that elevates and surprises people from an 8-9 team to a 9-10-11 team if things go really well. Ryan, what about losing that defensive coordinator? That hurts him. I mean, Ohio State took that guy away. He was really good. Yeah, they right took Knowles, who'd had you know, a great run there. And that yeah, was really, and, and I think, one of the big turning points for Gundy is embracing the defense. Well, not just embracing it, but they went and they paid money, finally, at Oklahoma State for coordinators. They had gone cheap on coordinators for a long time. That's been a problem in the Big 12 for a lot of teams not named Oklahoma and Texas. And they went out and paid a guy, and they got Knowles in. He goes to Ohio State. And they immediately replaced him with Mason. I thought that was big. Yeah, I, I think that you know the one thing about the Big Twelve because they can only practice in Prads once a week, and you got to you know you get you got to play good defense because when you go out of conference, you got to be able to match it, you know, and and you've got to match the competition. I, I mean, look, I like Oklahoma State. That that program has consistently been good with Van Gundy. They always have a great running back. I mean, you know, they always have guys, and not because they've had Barry Sanders or Thurman Thomas. I mean, they've always had good backs. You know, it's funny. I wrote about Barry Sanders in, in the next book. I, I didn't realize it was down between Tulsa and Oklahoma State for him. And the Oklahoma State coaches, when they went and watched Barry Sanders on tape, they stole the tape. <laughs> they put the tape back with them. Because they didn't want anybody else coming in late to see the kid. Wow. That's, That's crazy. So Unreal. <laughs> and can I just say one thing about Oklahoma State? No matter what happens, the fact that they got a coach that grows a mullet and takes his shirt off when he gets excited, I'm a fan for life. Hey, you hey, do did, that. Did you see where he said he don't want he don't think Oklahoma or Texas should be allowed in the conference meetings? Did you see yeah. that? Yeah. I loved it. I don't blame me. I mean, yeah, why? Why should you? And they they're going to be enemies in two years. Why should you let your enemies into a meet? Yeah, no doubt. No, that's right. Hey, hey, Ryan, I want to ask you, how are things for Joey McGuire down there? Joey McGuire is a good man. I, I I got to meet him at Valor when my son coached there, and he's friends with Matt Rule. How are things at Tech? I think he struck all the right chords so far. Certainly with the fan base, they hit the ground running and made an immediate commitment to upgrading recruiting. And I think that was one of the first things that he realized. You know, coming out of the high school ranks at Cedar Hill where he won a couple of state championships at the highest level in Texas high school football, and he watched teams that recruited and how they recruited effectively at his school. Then he goes to Baylor, saw what they were doing. He gets to Tech and immediately says, we've got to triple up the money we're spending. We've got to bring in more people. And they immediately got back into the high school ranks and started recruiting high school players, which is something Matt Wells 
had kind of gotten away from. He got in love with the transfer portal. He got in love with the grad transfers. All of a sudden, you only got 14 or 15 high school guys in a class. You got problems now. You, you are upside down and wrong. This guy is energetic. Um, you know, I'm a little biased. I'm the son of a Texas high school coach. So I kind of got a soft spot in my heart for that type of stuff. But he surrounded himself with dynamic recruiters who can also coach. Went out and got an image Jones. He got guys that can not just do X's and O's, but are killer on the recruiting trail. Now, at a certain point, you got to win games. And I think they're still six-win talent right now. The depth is a huge problem at Tech. But he's back in the Texas high schools. And if you're going to win games in the state of Texas as a college coach, you must win recruiting in Texas. Bottom line, if you don't do that, there aren't enough guys from New Mexico and wherever you want to go to make your team better. Yeah. So I kind of like the guy. Yeah. Hey, all right, let's get to the fun stuff. Let's get to the fun stuff. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, Michael, I know you got to see uh, Bruce Springsteen in what sounded like a really cool, almost intimate setting. At the same time, Carl was posting – uh, what was it? One of your old friends was over in Europe. Oh like, yeah, that's following uh, around. Yeah, so that's uh, that's one of the guys that that taught me uh, a lot of stuff in this business. Uh, his name is Jeff Stonebeck, and uh, uh, he hired me at the Mirage. Uh, phenomenal. I mean, this guy, um, you know, and not not saying it because Michael's here, but his. The way Michael's mind works with recall, being able to recall plays and you know teams and stuff like that, his mind worked very similar with numbers. I mean, he could tell you the point spread from a game in 1996. I mean, he just just I mean, I love people like that, just phenomenal. And uh, so he just recently retired. His wife also retired, and he is in Europe right now. He just texted me the other day that picture that I posted. They were in Brussels. And they're following the Rolling Stones for seven concerts all through the, nice. all through Europe. It's unbelievable. That's nice. A year ago tonight, I was at in Broadway, watching the the one man play with Springsteen. It was a year ago tonight. Wow. And then he's coming. His tour. He just announced his U.S. tour, which will start in. Uh, I want to say it's going to start in February. I've never seen it. Got to go. Well, you're, you're going to have to line up those tickets. I'll get that. Put ticket. that on the list. Yeah, I'll make sure you get backstage too. <laughs> I mean, Michael, do you just take care of Bill every day? I mean, I mean I just, is, I, is he no, like a I third? Take, I take care of Bill's daughters <laughs> he too. Takes, he takes but, care of the whole family. I, mean, I know more what's going on in his house than he does. Trust me. <laughs> just say, put that on the list. I mean, listen. I mean, my friendship's worth something. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, I, I asked Maddie last week. I said, Maddie, I said, is is Bill like, you know, Uncle Bill? And I, I, I guess, you know, w with you, it's, it's either he's a younger brother or he's, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a, I mean, we, it's I'm a charity older. case. I'm it's older, but I, I, I'm older, but take orders from him. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> you know, so it's like, I'm the younger brother, but I'm the older brother. I got to do shit. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> that's really, I mean, that, that sums it up. Well, and I, just to the Uncle Bill point, I was just upstairs about an hour ago playing charades with the boys as Uncle and, Bill. and fully fully participating as Uncle Bill. So. Well, they, they all know him as Uncle so, Bill, too. All right, so Ryan, who, who's your band? Okay, who so you yeah, here's the question for everybody. If you could follow a band around for like a month or two weeks or whatever you think you could physically survive, 
which band would it be? Which artist would it be? Now, because I think you've probably done this at various times in your life. It's never, but I have been to a lot of concerts with the casinos. They they give you a lot of free tickets and stuff. But if I had to pick, I, I'm gonna tell you probably the two best bands that I've seen live was uh, probably Def Leppard and Foreigner. I like going to concerts where like every song was a hit, you know, kind of like the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's same kind of thing. That, that's just, I, I can't stand going to a concert where they have like three or four good songs and then they try to fill up the whole middle with shit you never heard before. I can't deal with that. So that's why I picked those two. Def Leppard. You don't want to follow them around right now because it'd just be a bunch of women older than who Zach, women, uh, Zach Wilson wants to hang out with. Yeah, that's, that's right. By the way, that's our demographic, Ryan. Be yeah. careful, but I, I understand. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had Stevie down on the one more podcast uh, bingo card for Kaja Gugu. So, uh, I, you know. I, I, well, he does watch Golden Girls. I mean, who are you following? Uh, is it, can we pick any time, right? We get to pick any time frame, right? Or and is Yeah, it, any time well, frame, any band, whatever, who you think. So it's, it's, there's no question in my mind. It, it's the Stones at their peak. Probably, I'm going to pick late 70s Stones. Maybe okay. early 80s stones. Uh, you know, Mick walking out, you know, in the New York Jets uh, football uniform. Uh, Keith, pretty much the same as he is now, out of his mind. Um, An emotional rescue going on. Yeah, I mean, those guys, insane. I, no, 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 Dad. If, that's, if, it's, if we're sticking with just bands, that's it. Yeah. Phil, I'm kind of shocked. I had you pegged as a Lil Wayne guy. I figured you'd like to go see him. <laughs> yeah, I just I just hate to follow Lil Wayne. I mean, I, he's always welcome at my house. I just don't follow. I don't like to follow him around. I got you. Uh, what about you, Carl? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you guys, I don't think you guys are going to like my group. Uh, <laughs> uh, Leonard Skinner. That's a, that's a positive way to yeah, I mean, You know, I mean, you know, I, I think I'm the only, I, but you know what? I, I mean, I'm a real simple type person, you know, Leonard Skinner, yeah, I mean, Leonard Skinner is my guys, but also, you know, gun, you know, I can go guns and roses just like I am on food, Michael. I'm real versatile with music. You can uh, see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can go guns and roses. You know, I like uh, Bob Seger and the silver bullet band. I mean, that's one of my favorites. Oh, you do. All right. So I have a question for you. Yeah. So where is 12 miles out of Mackinac city? You have any idea where that is? I've met that's one of the great questions of my life is 12 miles out of Mackinac City. I stopped at a bar to have a brew. I met a girl and we had a few drinks and I told her what I decided to do. Yeah. Where's that bar? Rick Goslin, who writes, used to write for the Dallas Morning News, and he's a Hall of Fame voter, one of the great writers. He and I, he's from Michigan. We always would ponder where that bar was because it had to be 12 hours out of Mackinac City. It had to be somewhere in North Dakota. Yeah, I, I, I do not know uh, the answer to that, but... Uh... Yeah, I love the song. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's a little bit like Carly Simon trying to figure out who she wrote You're So Vain with. Eventually, she told it was Mick. Did you know that? It was Mick Jagger that she wrote? I, 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 I never heard that confirmed, but I thought that's... Yeah, right. I think yeah. she auctioned it off. Yeah. But hey, I, will, I will say this about a song. I have stood on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I have. 
I mean, I think that's, I think you got to do some of that stuff. I think you got to kind of know, you know, I've been on 10th Avenue where the freeze out was. You just you know? did uh, a Caroline Street. I, I, I was, when I was in Key West, I was taking pictures of, of all the things he would sing about. I, I, well, there's a woman going crazy on Caroline Street. I took this picture of Caroline Street. You know, you got to have some kind of feel for it, right? That's right. That's when I found out that me and uh, Michael, we may be, uh, we may be parrot heads together. Because if I'm, if I'm on the road for a month, I'm on the road with Jimmy Buffett. I am a parrot head, and uh, I, I think I could survive that, maybe for about a week and a half. I need a little downtime. Yeah, I think I go about ten days at a time, but I need a break. That might be the best overall choice, though, for quality of life. Because I, because I actually think Buffett would give you that down. Like you probably go fishing a couple of days with. Oh, you get to hang out with the beer Shakur. He's got a couple yeah. of good-looking women in the back. Yeah. There. Tina yeah. Gullickson. You may in the back band. You may have. You know. You may have hit the jackpot there yeah. in terms of quality I mean, of touring. Matt McAnell is a hell of a guy. He's a huge football fan. I met Mac before. I knew a guy in Denver. In fact, I actually, I don't know why I got rid of He sent me Buffett's, uh, I had an autographed Buffett jacket from the Feeding Frenzy tour. Oh, wow. And, nice. Yeah. So, but uh, I loved it. I brought my boys to Buffett earlier, early age. It's a fun time. Yeah. Wow. You can't beat it. Nice. All right. Final thoughts tonight before we get out of here tonight. Uh, who, who wants to start it? Steve, Carl, you guys flip the coin. What do you want to do? Go ahead, Stevie. I don't know. I don't really have any final thoughts. I hadn't really thought about what I'm doing. I'm probably going to get something to eat as soon as we've done. I haven't eaten yet, but that's about it. Shrimp pump. What do you have? What kind of shrimp are you having tonight, Steve? What kind of shrimp? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I don't yeah, think I'm going to have shrimp tonight. I had some shrimp last night. I had barbecued me some uh, shrimp last night, some raw reds, and put them over a salad. As Bill knows, I'm a salad guy. He is a salad guy. You want that brat dog I made the other night is what you want. That's really good. Yeah, that 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 stew, whatever that was, Ryan. I mean, I could taste it through the phone. My brat. By the way, Stevie, you you embarrassed me the last time. I was I sprung for the really good bread and the really good hoagie rolls on that. I hope you know that was your doing. Good. Good. No more cheap ass hot dogs in West Texas. But you you guys don't know hoagie rolls until you come back east. I can honestly tell That's, you that. That, that is the gospel. We need to we need to do a podcast from the backyard here, and uh, uh, or oh, sure, I say your backyard, yeah, exactly. our backyard, yeah. But my my one thought, I will tell you, just uh, wrap it up for me is, you know, I'm just working my way through the Lombardi family here, so Millie should be on next week. I'll bring her on. We'll talk <laughs> we'll food. We'll talk we'll about Michael. That. We'll talk about what Michael doesn't do. Yeah, there's a you lot know, of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And my one thought is I've enjoyed being with you guys here. And certainly, Carl, I greatly appreciate you and, and all the support. And Ryan, all the help with the Daily Coach. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I want to say right. this. I mean, this is an absolute pleasure. Great surprise, uh, Bill. Um, you know, I've, I've been wanting to – I haven't I haven't wanted to ask, Michael. I, I wanted to save my kind of asking to come onto the pod for football season. But, you know, look, I love Michael. His mind is, uh, when it comes to these games, it just fascinates me. Uh, you know, I've learned so much from you. And, uh, you know, the, the, this, this year has been just crazy. Uh, you know, I never would have thought I would have been involved in any shit like this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a behind-the-scene, in-the-shadows guy. That's where I'm good at. And, uh, you know, I for whatever reason, I've came out of – kind of came out of my eggshell and I've had a wonderful time and 
Uh, well, you've been great. You know, the guy that you, the guy that we had on before you from down there, he was a he he was a guy that threw a period in there as quick as possible. You'd say to him, I forget his name. You'd say to him, who do you like? The Alabama Clemson. We like Clemson here. Period. Boom. And, and, <laughs> and it was like it would catch you, and you're like, wait a minute, I gotta get I gotta to you, Michael. Yeah, I gotta get another question ready. And then you come on. And then you got to add some personality and some feel and we get to have some conversations, you know, because yep. ultimately what we want to be able to accomplish is it's like we're all sitting on a couch talking about football. Right. You know, and we're having a conversation and the person listening is engaged in it. And it's important that we include that person. So you've been great for that, Carl. It's been tremendous. And and that that adds to the show and, and it brings part part of it, part of what we need in, the, in this industry, you know, so it's been good, you know, but like. When you stop short, you know, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Me and Patrick, we'd be like, wait a minute, we got to ask this guy like a long question. Kind of like <laughs> going to those concerts where they don't play hits for an hour. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a little bit like, you know, when they play like you have 20 hits and they put them in one song, you know, and they just yeah. keep rolling. That's kind of what it was. And and so it, it became a little bit of a problem, but it, it, it's a lot of fun, though. And And look, it's. It'll be a fun betting season. I really think the NFL is gonna it's gonna be even more powerful than it was last year with all I the agree. conversations. I think it's gonna be a great year. Fantastic show tonight, everybody. This is exactly why all you people out there are coming back for the one more podcast, the one you want when you want one more, no matter whether it's sports or food or beverage or anything else. Obviously, we want to thank Stevie, Carl, uh, John, sit down there at the Beau Rivage, Biloxi. And, of course, Bill Berman, the bandit, Ocean City. Were you born there, by the way? Because you're not no. listed on the Wikipedia page as being a notable resident like Michael Lombardi is. We'll get that fixed. You know, I, 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 they list me as a resident. They have nothing. to Think about this now. I've lived in this town. This, this is, gets me that I've lived here for five, let's see, since 18, right? We're in, So it'll be four years. The high school team has yet to invite me over to watch a practice or talk to the team. You can't get a look. I can't get a sniff. Unreal. I, I am in the process behind the scenes, as you'd imagine, of fixing all this. <laughs> no, no, it's fixing no all. fixing. I mean, I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I understand you don't want to fix. That's, no that's, one disrespects. Yeah, that's the unreal. Lombardi name. The, nobody, uh, nobody, dis, nobody disrespects the Godfather like that. Well, I mean, it's like really now that I know that the one pod's going to be done for my office every Thursday night, it right. really makes it better. Yeah. That's right. It's easy to do. Yeah, it's you know. Just turn on the computer. It looks a hell of a lot better. Than it does look a lot better. I, now I can see what's in Ryan's office. It's fantastic. Beautiful. And this, this is why people love the podcast. Uh, everybody, uh, check out, obviously, Michael Lombardi, the Lombardi line every day. They're on VSIN weekends as well. Uh, the Daily Coach, if you're not subscribing to that, and we don't have time. We'll talk about that the next time you're on. The Daily Coach is amazing, people. Get on it on Twitter. I, I read it every day. I print out the Sunday column for my son who's in high school, and we go over that, and he reads it every week. The Daily Coach is amazing. Michael, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, Ryan. Everybody. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Carl. All right, man. If you can, nice to meet subscribe, you, share Thank this you. with your friends. We'll see you next week on the One More Podcast, unless we've been sued into oblivion. <laughs>